wanted to welcome you guys. This is uh, actually, this is not the first summer we've done MTL. However, uh, we started MTL in May 2015. And we went through the summer, and it was consistently like around 10-ish people all summer long. Uh, and then last summer, we took a break. We pressed pause for the summer just to allow people to kind of do what they do in the summer. There's lots of distractions in the summer. Lots of things going on, so we weren't sure, but we were just gonna power through this summer, so here's the night, here's the keep talk. Um, new time, of course, seven to eight o'clock. We're gonna be putting up some signs on the front doors. We're gonna have to lock the front doors, so this will be the entry point, this back door from now on. And we'll have signs up front that let people know that, and we'll put a sign on the door as well, but, a um, couple of things on the horizon I'm very excited about. I just wanted to tell you. Um, we do have a board at MTL. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. I'll send out the names for the people who are on the board, but we're gonna meet with the board next week and um, I have a very exciting idea for the next generosity experiment. Very exciting idea that would incorporate all of you if you choose to do so. And it can take place in a lot of places throughout the county. So. I'm excited about that. It'll be coming up and we'll have a night here where we introduce it and you actually get to experience what you'll be doing on behalf of other people later on this summer if you choose to be involved with it. Um, another thing on the docket is this book. I'll put a picture of it out on the Facebook page, but it's called Stargirl. Now, it's fiction and it might be a book that you don't like. That's fine, it's all right. Go check it out on Amazon, read the kind of synopsis, the summary. See if it would be something you're interested in. If it is, it's a pretty short read, you can see that. It is about a girl in high school who dates a boy. So if you can't handle fictional drama like that, it's all right. But, um, what's so great about this book though is it talks about the fact that you have a unique voice. That you are a unique individual and that we need that voice in the world. And it also shares a very kind of different perspective that I appreciate. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm going to. Anne's been reading the book and she's been talking to me about it, right? And so like I've been listening and I'm like, ooh, I like some of the themes and ideas in this book. So I want a few people to read it and even get together with me and discuss it because I think there's at least two or three good talks out of this book that I can do here at MTL, but I'd love to hear the ideas that come through for other people. You know, because I read a book and I see it one way. <laughs> and then I get together with two people and they read the book and I'm like, oh yes, oh, you like that? Oh, okay, cool. So anyway, if you want to check out this book on Amazon, look it up, see if you'd like to read it, let me know. I'll be putting it out there later on saying, hey, who would like to read this book and just check it out and talk about it? Um, the other thing is July 28th, I already looked ahead, it's on my calendar, so I just want to put it out there for you. That's the day that the Inconvenient sequel, Truth to Power, comes out. It's Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth sequel comes out. I'm going to go see it. If you guys want to see it on opening night, I'm there. I'm there. 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, whatever. It's going to happen. It'll be here in the community. You know it. So July 28th. Go see this movie. I'm sure it will bring up all kinds of fascinating discussion. I guarantee it. Um, T. Lynch isn't here, but I was just looking at Jordy. And um, just 
I don't care where you, you fall, like politics-wise, who you voted for or anything, but I was talking with T, and T was like, man, I had to vote just based on the environment. And he was like, Phil, did you see the, the, the Before the Flood movie? And I was like, no, 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 no. He was like, you have to go watch Before the Flood. It was the Leonardo DiCaprio documentary that they put out. It should be free on YouTube, on Amazon, all kinds of places. Uh, watched the documentary, cried like a baby at the end. Like, unbelievably interesting stuff. Like, just about our world and the place in which we live and um, how to take care of it and what we can do and things that we can step up, you know, our game and kind of care after this place. So anyway, you can check that one out too. It's free, it's out there. Uh, I make all my kids watch those things. <laughs> They're probably gonna hate me later on in life, but oh well. So anyway, those are some of the exciting things that are definitely on the horizon for more to life. Now last time we talked about the idea of recompassion. Is this idea of reconnecting with the compassion that's deep inside of you, almost recycling that compassion when you experience it and take it in and giving it back to someone else and kind of letting the momentum build and build and build and allowing compassion to be out there, exchanged between people on and on and on. I, though, wanted to ask any of you tonight, not that you need to take the floor for the next 10 minutes, but... Does anyone here have a story of compassion that you could quickly sum up for us and just share? Because what I've found is a lot of times we've experienced compassion in lots of different ways. And sometimes we need to hear the stories from each other about those stories of compassion. So I just want to throw it out there. I have one ready, right? <laughs> Because I've done this long enough with adults and students that when I do this, I watched all, some of you, like your faces were interesting. So you don't have to share anything. <laughs> and everybody knows that I hate awkward moments of silence more than anyone else in the face of the planet. So if it goes too long, I just cut it off. <laughs> and I'll just start talking. That's what I do. I fill the space. So, but I did want to put it out there. I mean, you don't have to go at length you know about it, but are there any stories of compassion that you could briefly sum up? I mean, some people can do that in 10 words, some people can do it in two days, but we're looking for more like a minute or a minute. <laughs> Mine's usually two days, but yeah, go. in a nutshell, my mother's 97 in hospice, things are changing fast, and when I watch young people with hands-on, not family members, people who've come to know her over the last year, and what they have to say or the stories they'll tell me when I get to her, I, I mean, recycling was the word. Yeah. And sending it back out, I'm just like, and these are 20, 30-year-old people or early 40s and their kids have moved on. I'm sitting there thinking, wow, in some ways, not my family are here, they're a lot more passionate than her own children. Yeah. <laughs> so the stories that come Got back it. about your mom. That was great. That was awesome. Anybody else? Any good stories of compassion? They're all good. I had one that just happened, actually. Ooh. I traveled for work, so I had left um, Dylan to go to Jackson, which is about nine hours, plus I'd work along the way, so it was quite a long trip. I had a lot of things 
kind of make my day a little challenging already um, before I even got to Jackson. Um, however, when I got to Jackson, being very tired, it was 8 o'clock at night, went to check in my hotel and realized I had left my wallet three and a half hours back the other direction. I had already driven nine hours, okay? I had a, probably 18 hours ahead of me on this big business trip. So I was going to be adding seven more hours to an already very long day. Um, and I was on the verge of tears. I had no wallet. Sure. Luckily, I knew where it was. Um, I called, and at Point of Rocks, by the way, wonderful people, which is basically an exit. That's how big it is. Um, they had it in the store. So it's 8 o'clock. They're closing at 9 o'clock. I'm three and a half hours away. So I'm trying to keep it together without crying on the phone. And talk to the um, gas station guy, and he said, "Well, we have it here at the at the station, but we close at nine. But what I could do is I could either, if you trust me, I could bring it home. I only live a half a block away. Or if that's weird, um, why don't you just call me when you get here?" And I said, "I'm three and a half hours away. It's going to be 11:30. You know, is that okay? No problem. You know, you call me when you get here. Drive safely. Um, blah blah blah." So I get off the phone with him, and then I realize I don't have money for gas to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily, another person that was on the business trip, not with me, but um, it doesn't really work for me. He's an athlete we're sponsoring. But I called him, explained the situation, and I said, would you be able to front me gas money so I can go, go there to get my wallet? Again, verge of tears. I'm trying to hold it in. I'm trying to be professional. See him, no problem. He not only gives me gas money, his wife's hugging me. She's like, you can cry, it's okay. <laughs> and, um, so, I so I go into the hotel where I'm supposed to be staying and explain my situation and they say, we won't charge you for tonight if you need to stay in Rock Springs, it's safer. We don't want you driving back here at three in the morning mm -hmm. on a road where there's nothing but roadkill. So it's one of those roads in Wyoming. So I drive all the way there. Um, I don't have to pay for that hotel room. They gave, uh, my athlete guy gave me an extra $20 for emergencies. He didn't want me driving without cash. Um, I get there. Sure enough, I call. He comes down um, and says, uh, here's your wallet. I'm like, thankful. You know, I go and I check into a hotel there. I gave him money because I asked Paul, who was the athlete, I'll pay you as soon as I get cash. He said, just pay it forward. It's fine, whatever. So I gave 30 bucks to the guy who had the wallet. Then I went to the hotel they were amazingly nice like everyone I felt like I was sometimes with like God was like giving me so much luck it was crazy everyone was so amazing um, hotel people were super sweet they understood my plight they wanted to get a little breakfast for me in the morning so I drove three and a half hours back um, so just that and then on the way driving this in the morning I'm like okay my wallet driving all the way back I'm speeding <laughs> um, it's 70 I'm going 80 not that crazy, but you know. So, uh, cop pulls me over. <laughs> cop pulls me over, and I explain to him what's going on. I fully expected it. Make sure I'm not trying to get out of it. Admitting responsibility. He said, well, you know, registration, license. Can't find the registration. I said, company car. Don't have the registration or the insurance in my hands. I can't find it. I'm flustered picking the car. I'm on get on verge of tears. Like, this is adorable. He said, you're okay. I'm going to give you a warning. I said, I swear to God, it's registered. I have the insurance, it's a company car. He said, just be careful, be safe, just drive the speed limit. You know, so I get there. And he was 
honestly, this entire trip, I've had nothing. I like, I forgot my wedding ring in the um, hotel. I mean, I've had like, I locked myself out of the hotel room, went to go to my car, and it's right there. It's a hotel, and locked myself out. No one's at the front desk. It's Cody, Wyoming. There's no one anywhere. It's 11:30. Everyone's asleep. I have bare feet. I just went out for a second, and I was going to get stuck outside. Luckily, someone came up and was checking in late, and I got to use his phone. And then, I mean, just the entire trip was this craziness. I was telling my sister, and the really interesting thing, so I was telling my sister all this at the verge of tears. She said, wow, that's a lot of bad luck. You know, how many threes did you have? And I said, actually, it was a lot of good luck. Like, I didn't have any bad luck at all. I thought everything was my fault, it was all my dumbness, you know, getting ready, having us together. I got lucked by having these amazing people help me, like over the course of six days. Like, yeah. Wow, I mean, I have even more that happened on this trip that was just, someone was watching out for me and these people were amazing. So, I mean, you know, when you least expect it. Yeah, right. On the face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Luck. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, both of you, for sharing. Anybody else? Story of compassion. Story of compassion. Mine was pretty generic. I still remember the first time getting sick at college when I was away from my mom. It's horrible. <laughs> right, like. And I'm like talking not like I don't feel good sick. I'm talking like I'm not getting out of bed, can't function sick. And I didn't eat. And uh, one of my friends brought me, which we weren't supposed to do, like they snuck this food out of the dining commons and brought me a tray and set it in my room, even though I couldn't eat it. It was the thought that counts, right? It's the thought that, oh, there might be someone else in the world that might actually try to take care of me when I can't even function. Especially at that age. Right, seriously. Wow. The fact that they had an idea to take care of me, it was perfect. So, yeah, that was my thought. I think, I just wanted to, I wanted to have a couple people share a story. I wanted to share a brief story simply because I feel like one of the things in life is that we could all, use a good dose of awareness. I think sometimes, a lot of a lot of times, we just need to be a, a little bit more aware in life, what really is going on around us, paying attention and looking. On the way over here, I knew that Chloe Balma would be here in the back room. And um, I remember Chloe once telling me after like her years and years of Sky, she was like, Phil, you have the most crazy stories. Like, none of that stuff ever happens to me. And I'm like, it does. <laughs> All of the stuff that happens to me happens to everybody. <clears throat> you just got to look a little bit harder for it. <laughs> you just got to pay a little bit more attention to really what's going on in your life. And with compassion, I feel like the more you see it, the more, like, it happens. The more you take it in, the more you actually choose to give it, the more you experience it, and on and on and on. It's that whole awareness piece. And I had a drive last week. I, I had the privilege of driving Jonathan Johnson, the principal of Breckenridge Elementary. He had to go pick up a U-Haul van, and they sent him to Florissant to pick it up. That's where it was. He was like, Phil, look, 
can you drive me? And I was like, sure. Like, let's do it. Let's do it. So it's a good, like, hour and a half there, hour and a half back. And we were driving, and we were talking the whole time. And I don't know what it was about that day, but both of us were very aware. We've been friends since they moved here. And so the conversation was really good because um, we knew that he was going to be moving down to the Springs. And so we were driving, and we were very present in the moment. And we were talking, and we were looking at pretty much like a, a pretty basic normal drive for those of us who live here. It wasn't that entertaining. But, of course, there's this way, there's this spot along the way, there's this guy who's done this interesting thing with flags. I don't know if you've seen the flag spot. No, doesn't look like any of you have. It's pretty impressive and interesting and weird. Um, and he was like, ooh, it's going to be coming up, it's coming up. And so we were looking and we were checking out the sides of the road the whole time, and then we found it. And then shortly after that, we're just driving along, and boom, we had like a huge bald eagle. Like, I kid you not. Like, it's, it's by the side of the road perched on this thing. And then it's just like, as we get there, it just like takes off. And he's like, whoa, what? And I was like, I know. I like slowing down and we're just like trying to see this thing. It was impressive. Like this whole drive was just something ordinary and something more. We were looking, we were talking, we were paying attention. We were 100% there. And sometimes I think being aware, being intentional to look and see things, man, there's a lot of depth that we just pass over very quickly sometimes. And sometimes we miss it. Sometimes it's just not there because we don't see it. I think uh, Ferris Bueller said it best. <laughs> Ferris Bueller said it best. He said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. That's why mindfulness is so popular right now, I think. Because we all feel like life is pretty dang fast. And we're like trying. It's hard to slow down. And so if we can like actually be intentional and say we're going to do something that slows us down. So we actually do look around and we try to take all of this in and we don't really want to miss so much. And being mindful isn't about just taking in, you know, the great things. It's about taking in the most basic, normal things, starting like with your breath, starting with the fact that you put your feet flat on the ground and you feel the floor beneath you and, and you feel the chair and all of these different things. Um, all the moments, even the ordinary ones. I wanted to tell you a story that happened to me recently. I was supposed to go to this meeting for this camp called High Trails, because Lincoln was going to go to High Trails. And I was supposed to go to this meeting. And Ann and I were going to meet up at the meeting and listen to everything that they kind of talk about and mention. And on that day, I had an open house that I had to sit. And I was over in Keystone. And so we're checking in and we're going back and forth about this open house. And I was like, I will be there. Not a problem. She had somewhere to be. She had the boys. They were like going to like a doctor's appointment or something. And they were going to come. And it was all of this like, oof, 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 we're just going around. And so then I, of course, you know, I'm the guy who my clock in the car is set ahead of time. So I show up early. 
Um, by default, I'm thinking I'm late, and then I get there, and I'm like, wait, I'm on time. This is great. So I get to the school early, and I actually get to talk to Jonathan Johnson. He's there, and we're just chatting it up, and all these cars are starting to pull up, and these people are coming in, and I'm there, and it's about 10 minutes till, it's about five minutes till, and I'm still chatting with him, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, Ann isn't even here yet. What's going on? So I text her, and then I get this kind of feeling in my stomach, because as I'm texting, Jonathan's like, what's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm, well, I'm just checking to see where Ann is. She's supposed to be at this meeting. He's like, what meeting? And I'm like, the high trails meeting. He's like, it's not here. <laughs> this is the grade school. My son's in grade school. He's going to the camp with the grade school. Like, I'm not sure what's happening here. He's like, no. He's like, we're doing the kindergarten roundup tonight. He's like, I was wondering why you were here. You don't have like a kindergarten that I don't know about, do you? So I was like, no. And so I text Anne. I'm like, so wait, where's this meeting? And she's like, it's at the high school. It said so in the email. I was like, dang. I should have read that. Oh, so I'm like, all right, I'll be there. Don't worry. And she's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm at the grade school, like where I should be, where the meeting should happen. So anyway, so then I start driving to the high school. I'm flying to the high school. And eventually, like, the meeting has clearly started. I'm missing it. And then I pass, oh, it's kind of by Lakeview Circle, and I turn in there to, like, head in the back way to the high school parking lot. And I get this text from Ann, and she's like, oh, don't worry about it, just skip the meeting. <laughs> like, she's like, why don't you go to the grocery store and pick us up some dinner? And I'm like, <laughs> So, like, by now, I drove from Keystone, came down Swanton, past the high school, by the way, <laughs> to go all the way into Breck to make it to the grade school. Now I've driven back out, now I'm headed to the parking lot. And she's like, the meeting's almost over or whatever, why don't you just go? And I'm like, all right. So I text her. Oh, Are you texting and driving? Oh. No, 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 no. Serious, serious, serious. Stupid serious. <laughs> but, oh, well, can I also just add just for a second? I'm doing a lot of weddings, and I go to all these locations, and most of the time I don't know where they are. And Siri has been pissing me off lately. <laughs> because I'll put in, like, the address and everything, and I don't care what kind of GPS you use. Whenever a U-turn comes into play, like it's meant to be, I'm like, really? There had to be a better way to get there than you making me do a U-turn. Anyway, sorry. That's just my, I, I didn't miss the I turn agree. though. It was just like, all of a sudden, Siri's like, go to the end of this road, do a U-turn. I'm like, what? I could have turned left earlier, I'm sure, and made it there. But you're messing with me, Siri. Anyway, the only reason I'm telling you this is, I think another way to look at being mindful is showing up to the moment. Because often we're not really there. And sometimes I think we need to approach our days and our moments and our experiences like we have to show up to them. Because that takes effort. It took me a lot of effort that day and I failed to show up on time or even at the place. But to show up means you have to prioritize something, you have to fit it in, you have to make the space, make the room. And a lot of times we enter into experiences and events in our days, and we don't really show up. We don't really put in the effort, the time, the energy. We don't make it happen like that. And so I want you to think about this idea of showing up. I want you to think about this idea of seeing. Like, 
actually seeing something and the idea of actually showing up. Because I want to talk tonight about this word perfection, just for a second. I like the word perfection, but defined perfection is this. The condition, state, or quality of being free or as free as possible from all flaws or defects. Flawless. That's like perfection defined. However, when I think about that definition, I think we like, I think we like it in theory, but I'm not sure that we live by it. Have any of you had like a day or an experience when you say, oh yeah, that was like perfection. Anybody? Yeah, I mean, I've got those. But they don't live up to that definition. <laughs> not even close. Like, I just want you to think about it. If you've ever had a day or a moment or an experience that you were a part of, and literally, like, it fits your definition of perfection, did it really measure up to that one? Was it flawless? I mean, was it absent? Like, of defects? Like, what? Was it really that? Because for me, when I think of perfection, and I think of a day of perfection or like an experience of perfection, there are a couple of kind of bottom base notes, but it, it doesn't really have to do with this idea of flawless. You know? And so that idea, though, this flawless idea, some, sometimes I think it lives in the land of grandiose, and it's like extreme planned perfection, and it never lives up to the hype. That's where I go with it. It's like the holidays. Like when you're planning the holidays and everything's going to be dialed into the team and we're going to have these kind of experiences and these kind of moments and it's going to be awesome and all of this is going to happen and then it falls fall short. But the real perfection, the real perfection that we're craving and that we're looking for, it's not flawless. It's got de defects in it. It's got troubles. It's got issues. And it's okay in the end, because we're okay with that idea of perfection. It feels pretty good. The definition of perfection that lives in the grandiose and the big moments and the planned perfection, that's not the majority of our life. <clears throat> the majority of our life isn't even planned, really. It's kind of spontaneous and kind of in the moment. The majority of our lives is small, ordinary, and if we want to live by that definition of perfect, then the majority of our lives are less than perfect. Did you know that the average person throughout their lifetime spends five years waiting in lines? That's based on an 80-year lifespan. Well, yeah, that was the next one, right? So waiting in lines and queues where roughly six months of that is waiting in traffic lights. And in case you didn't know, I don't know if you saw this, there's a, there's a company out there called um, The Line Dudes now. <laughs> the Line Dudes. You pay them to wait in line for you. Wow. There's an app. The Line Dudes. You pay them to wait in line for you. Um, on average, people spend four years of their life doing housework. We spend roughly one year looking for lost possessions. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, guys, this is good stuff. We spend two weeks of our lifetime kissing another person. Two weeks. Some of us more than others. 
So we'll go slow. All right, here we go. The average person eats five meals per day plus whatever munchies they eat between these meals. This gives an estimate that you spend six years of your life eating. And here's a good one. Here's a good one. I had to put this one in there because I love it. Let's say an average, as an average, let's say as an average, people spend 20 minutes a day in the bathroom on the toilet. May not seem like much, but over the course of 80 years, sums up to roughly 13 months and one week on the toilet. Now, I brought up all of those moments simply to say, I don't know about you, but my life is pretty, pretty damn ordinary. It's pretty average. It's pretty simple. It's pretty that, you know? It's not spent in the grandiose. Like, it just isn't. It's not the huge moments and that planned perfection idea. My life's pretty normal. I think yours might be too. <laughs> and if the majority of our lives is ordinary, I wonder if we have to redefine perfection. I think you need to redefine flaws. Flaws. Flaws are subjective. Flaws are very subjective, right? Yeah, totally. Like, total perspective. And what can you pull? Yes, yes, yes. So, if we can allow ourselves to be present in a way that embraces the flaws and the defects and creates a new definition of perfection, then our normal and average spaces and places of lives can feel perfect. We can enjoy them. We don't have to measure them and compare them in a way that makes them less beautiful or less meaningful or less deep. What if flaws and defects are okay? What if simple and uneventful is good? What if all we need to do is open our eyes and see the depth and the purpose and the meaning? What if doing so just takes a little bit of practice? Maybe it means we're a little intentional and we try to show up to something that seems ordinary. And when we try to show up and open our eyes, we can actually see kind of what's going on beneath the surface. What if most of our lives, though ordinary and mundane, possess tremendous depth just hidden beneath the surface? Sky students were a large part of my life for over 15 years, taking students on trips, planning events, creating schedules, having leaders, being in charge of these things, taking them out of the country, going to all these places. And we learned very quickly on that students ask a lot of questions. And we, I think we did like one massive trip where we actually put schedules in their hands and we were like, we're never doing that again. They're never gonna know what's coming. <laughs> so we stopped producing schedules for them. And we were just like, you know what? You're not gonna have a schedule. You're not gonna know what's going on. If you come and ask me what's next, I will respond with, I don't know. <laughs> because what I found was they were never there. They were never in the moment. They were constantly asking. Like we would be playing laser tag, laser tag, having an amazing time. They'd run out and they'd be like, where are we going next? What are we gonna do? <laughs> Shut up and enjoy laser tag, dude. Like, I'm, we've got the keys, we've got the money. You don't even need to worry. Like, just have a good time. What are we doing next? Uh, I don't even know. And after they asked me like 20 times, they'd be like, oh, okay, Phil's never going to tell us. <laughs> but sometimes our mind is 
the hardest thing to settle and calm down. When it comes to like saying like, here, we're in an ordinary moment, and our mind says, what's gonna happen next? Where are we gonna go after this? Or it starts obsessing about something behind. It's like, we get so hung up on some days, tomorrows, and yesterdays, that like sometimes this thing right here, I mean, your head, and just settling that down. So what I would encourage you to do, in order to see the depth and the meaning in the ordinary, in order to practice showing up to right here, right now, you've got to ask the question, how can I settle my mind down? How can I slow this thing down? How can I be here right now? For lots of people, it's meditation, reflection, um, it's focusing on breathing, it's looking around. On that drive with Jonathan, I could have been thinking about what a waste of time it was. I could have been thinking about like what I was doing that night, but I chose to just enter into conversation with him in the car, and I chose to look outside my window like a curious kid at like what's coming next on the road. Ooh, look over there, that's awesome. You know, this thing and settling your head down. That's a huge component being able to see what's going on and to focus on the depth and meaning beneath the surface. Uh, another thing though is I feel like we've been taught to divide our lives into categories of perfect and imperfect. I mean, I've talked about this before. There's always like the two things, the opposites. It's the duality of life. And you look at it and you say, oh, perfect, imperfect. And you have these boundaries and these distinctions. And just really quickly, one of the things that I did love about reading the Bible and uh, paying attention to, to some of the hidden nuances below the, the text, a lot of times what was going on in the Bible, there was this big conflict between what was holy and unholy, what was dirty and what was clean, what was secular and what was spiritual. There was this clear distinction. And all throughout the Bible, there's this tension building and building and building. And finally, that's why I love like the person of Jesus, because the person of Jesus spends a lot of time talking out in the wilderness. And it's this very clear distinction that like, here's all these places that everybody assumed was packed with meaning. It was so important, it was absolutely holy. And then he spent a lot of his time over here. And I love that distinction going on for me. Because I don't know about you, but like a lot of times I feel like they're the meaningful parts of my life. And then there are the less meaningful, and then there's the void of meaning. <laughs> there is two. Like I've got three categories going. And so when I approach this void of meaning area or this less than meaningful area, it's hard to show up. Like it's tough. Sometimes I don't even want to. But what would it mean to more intentionally dive into that? And what if there aren't those distinctions? And what if you can drop those? And what if you can say, you know what? Not so sure those are there. What if you can erase those boundary lines and you can just say, oh, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. Everything's spiritual. Everything's meaningful. Everything has that depth to it. So you can show up and you can try and open your eyes and see what's going on beneath that surface. I've got two stories for you that kind of talk about the unexpected places, the ordinary spaces, and the no boundaries. One is really good. I was at this wedding, and uh, I showed up. And weddings for me are pretty normal now. They're pretty ordinary. 
So before I go into them, I have to remind myself, this is a special day for these people. <laughs> right? It's kind of funny, but like once you've done like 60 of them, you're like, nah. I don't know. Like, yeah, you do, you do, woo. Like, we're gone. like, for these guys, this is important. This is, this is meaningful. And so like I kind of hype myself up before I go in and I remind myself of that sacred space. Like, this is ordinary for me, it's not for them. And it doesn't matter, though. Ordinary, whatever, it's, it's got these layers to it. And so I went in, and there was a lot happening, and we were at Sapphire Point, and I walked out, and I saw something so common, and I was standing next to the mother of the bride, and the bride was up on the path, and the mother was down there with me, and we were just talking about 15 minutes before the ceremony happened, and I saw something so common, and I just wanted to point it out to her. I said, oh, look at that hawk up there, flying. She goes, oh my gosh. And she started crying. And I was like, all right. Put my arm around her. We stand there for a moment, she goes, you know, my daughter's grandfather recently passed. And he told us that he would come back as a hawk. And he always wanted to see her get married. She's like, there he is. And I was like, are you kidding me? It's <laughs> freaking amazing. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I got goosebumps just telling you again. Like, and we just stood there for like three minutes just watching this hawk like soar all over the place. It was profound. There was some depth going on. Now, I want to tell you another story, and this one's called Pipple Popping Perfection. <laughs> See, so that's how I do things. We talk about a wedding, and it seems like, whoa, and then here we go. We've been going to lacrosse tournaments. It feels like every weekend for my entire life. And it's only been one season. So, we go to Vail. We're at Vail, we're away from home, you're spending ridiculous amounts of money on food, and it's not healthy food. And and we're, we're doing all kinds of things, and um, been a rough week and like the two younger guys didn't want to go at all which just adds to the tension in the air and so we're we're doing this and I, I had a lot of real estate stuff going on and some other stuff and there were just issues on this weekend and you could feel it when we're all in the car all five of us it's thick and it's like I don't know what's happening here and we've got time to kill till the next game so what are we going to do? Uh, no one's in a good mood. It's kind of cold out. We walk to this bookstore. And then we like walk down. And we get by this river. And there's this grassy area. Anne's tired. I'm tired. So she just lays down. And then the boys are hitting each other with a stick. <laughs> Tears happen. Right, right. It's like lacrosse. Like, we heard the tears, we heard the anger, and then all of a sudden, all three boys are just pissed at each other. They're like in corners, even though there aren't corners. They're like away from one another, and I'm laying there, 
and Ann and I aren't totally clicking, and it was it was a bad day. It was a bad day. And then at one point, Lincoln comes over somehow, and I don't even know what it was. I'm not telling you what. We're in the sun, and Lincoln had this black head right here. Right, Lincoln? <laughs> and he had had it for like a week. And I was like, Lincoln, come on, let me get that thing. He's like, no, that's gonna hurt. I was like, just let me do it. <laughs> and so like I got underneath it, you know, and I started pushing in. He's like, oh, it's not so bad. And then I get it and like it kind of comes out. It's like pretty gross. And then I was like, whoa! And then Tate's like, what? Sounds is like, huh? And Ann's like, woo! And like, so we're all like there, we're all like watching. And I was like, boom, and I keep going, and it just keeps going. And then we're all just watching. And then I was like, oh, that was crazy. Now, here's what's funny. I never thought that a pimple or blackhead would rally my family. <laughs> Like it did that day. I'm serious. This was ridiculous. But here's what happened. We're all chilling, and suddenly, like, we're all there, and I make some goofy comment about, ah, you hit your brother with the stick. I bet that, yeah, hurt, blah, blah, blah. We just kind of talk. Before you know it, we're all just sitting there kind of laughing, and uh, the thick tension in the air was gone, and I don't even know what it was. What? <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what happened, but I'm telling you what. There was a perfection to that moment in the next like 30 minutes we spent in this little grassy area by the river that I can't put my finger on. And it didn't come because we planned it, and it was not the result of being flawless at all. It wasn't. But man, we were suddenly all very present with one another and connected. And it was real and we felt it. It was crazy. Ann and I have talked about this moment so many times since that happened. We're like, what happened there? I don't know. But sometimes there's a perfection in the mundane, ordinary, normal, average spaces of our lives that we are missing. We are missing it. And I'm not sure if it's because we don't slow down and look. I'm not sure if it's because we just don't show up fully. And we're present to be there with one another and we're kind of half there. Or we're slightly annoyed at, at the fact that like we could be somewhere else or, or what's going on. I'm not sure if it's because we don't take the time to just settle down our heart and mind. And we just say, here's where I am. Be here in this moment and enjoy these people and enjoy what's in front of me. This is what I have right here, right now. That kind of perfection in the ordinary spaces. I titled the talk tonight, Practice Sees Perfect. And that's simply because like, I think that it takes practice to see that kind of perfection in our lives and to appreciate it and to be thankful for it and grateful. And to say, like, oh, that, I want more of that. How can I show up more to that? How can I see more of that in my life? 
One last story for you. I've shared this one before, but this one is so good. That uh, happened back in 2007, but I just love it. So if you've heard it before, I'm sorry, but just pay attention once again. Listen to this one. In Washington, D.C., at a metro station on a cold January morning in 2007, there was a man with a violin. He played six Bach pieces for about 45 minutes. During that time, people went through the station, most of them on their way to work. After about three minutes, a middle-aged man noticed that there was a musician playing. He slowed his pace and stopped for a few seconds, and then he hurried on to meet his schedule. About four minutes later, the violinist received his first dollar. A woman threw money in the hat and, without stopping, continued to walk. At six minutes, a young man leaned against the wall to listen to him, then looked at his watch and started to walk away. At 10 minutes, a three-year-old boy stopped, but his mother tugged him along hurriedly. The kid stopped to look at the violinist again, but the mother pushed hard, and the child continued to walk, turning his head back toward the violinist the whole time. This action was repeated by several other children, but every parent, without exception, forced their children to move on quickly. At 45 minutes, the musician played continuously. Only six people stopped and listened for a short while. About 20 gave money but continued to walk at their normal pace. The man collected a total of $32 that day. After one hour, he finished playing and silence took over. No one noticed, no one applauded, there was no recognition at all. And no one knew this, but the violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the greatest musicians in the world. He played one of the most intricate pieces ever written on a violin worth $3.5 million. Two days before, Joshua Bell sold out a theater in Boston where the seats averaged $100 to sit and listen to him play the same music he played there. Joshua Bell playing incognito in the DC metro station was organized by blah, 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 part of a social experiment about perception, tastes, and people's priorities. The experiment raised several questions. In a commonplace environment, at an inappropriate hour, do we perceive beauty? If so, do we stop to appreciate it? Do we recognize talent in an unexpected context? They had all these questions that were around it. I would love to tell you that the ordinary spaces and places in your life is like that beautiful music. And are we listening? And do we recognize the beauty there? Do we try to find it? Do we look for it? To pull it into kind of this mode of thinking about perfection, in the commonplace areas of our lives, do we perceive depth and purpose? Do we appreciate the perfection of ordinary and simple moments? Do we recognize meaning in an unexpected context? Until next time, friends, I want you to practice showing up to your life. Not just the living large parts, but rather all of your life. I would encourage you to put forth the energy to diligently show up to the mediocre and lame parts of your days. And in doing so, may you see the perfection hidden there. Present in the boring, dull, small, uneventful places and spaces of your lives. I would invite you to drop the distinctions between perfect and imperfect, and to learn to see the ordinary as a gift, just like the breath you're breathing. See more in the mundane 
There is perfection hidden there. Show up, see it, and you'll find it. And when you do, I hope it will bring you both peace and joy. Amen. Amen. All right. So there's more dessert in the back. I'm going to play some music. The front doors are locked, so maybe everybody should go out this way. But um, until next time, yeah, look for the perfection that's hidden there. You guys stay and talk. Do whatever you got to do. We will see you next time.